0: Hey, welcome, church family. We're just here finishing the master's master class on prayer. And uh, I've sure enjoyed going into the Lord's Prayer with you. And I hope that you are practicing the things that you're learning. Today, we're dealing with the very last petition, the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or from the evil one. You know, I think a lot of times uh, when I prayed this prayer, I was kind of thinking like, it was like, uh, Lord, get me out of all the tests and trials of life and don't let bad things happen to me. I kind of thought that's what this prayer was about. But actually, it's a little bit different than that, and we'll talk about that in a second. You know, we're saying, lead us not into temptation. And it's interesting because according to the book of James, that God cannot be tempted, nor does he tempt others. So is God leading us into temptation then? Like it doesn't make sense. It seems to conflict with the book of James. But really what the word temptation is, the word pyrsimos, pyrsimos. And and what it can be translated is as test or temptation. And so you need to understand that uh, in your, your life, what we're praying for in this one is saying, God, as I go through tests in life, because how many of you know all of life, is a test. And as I go through tests, let me not be tempted to doubt you, to fear, to follow the world's ways, but to follow your ways. You know, the scripture is full of many uh, scriptures and many uh, things that tell us that God is uh, really leading us at times, and we're going through tests in our life. Let me just read a couple of those scriptures. Uh, Romans chapter 5, there is more to come we continue to shout out our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in us turns forged steel and tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert to whatever God wants to accomplish and do in our lives. John 16, 33 says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And so we need to understand that, you know, tests are part of life. And really life itself can be uh, pressing and shaping and forming us. And really what you need to understand is that this word, pyrosmos, what it's saying is, you know, it, it can be used for the refining of gold and fire, And what he's saying is there's all kinds of pressures and tests that come into your life. Life itself purifies you and creates, uh, recreates the image of Christ in you and in me. This is God's heart and intention as we go through life and as we go through this. That the image of Christ be shaped in us. You know, the, the biblical number for testing is very interesting. It's the number 10. And so, all throughout scripture, whenever you see the number 10 used, and it's used several, you know, uh, over 50 sometimes, or 70 sometimes, sorry, in different forms, it's over 200 times. And uh, um, let me just give you a couple examples of tests that you and I walk through every day according to the word of God. How about the 10 commandments? You know, the Ten Commandments are really God's suggestions for life. He's saying, if you want to live a life, you've got to learn how to worship God, how to revere God, how not to blaspheme God. You need to learn how to not rob your neighbor, not blaspheme your neighbor, not tear down all kinds of things in the Ten Commandments. Every day are testing us. Will I follow God's way or will I follow my way? Follow the world's way. So understand, you're being tested in that time. Or is it producing the life of Christ in you? Or is it producing the life of the world in you? How about the 10 plagues? The 10 plagues were a test back in 3,500 years ago in Egypt. The 10 plagues, and of course, the 10th plague being the Passover. And and really, every single one of those tests, uh, Pharaoh's heart was being tested. Will you yield to God, or will you continue to rule your own life? And so you understand the outcome of that. And even the last plague, you know, you had a choice. The firstborn was going to die, or you could trust God, put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of your, of your house and under your heart, in that sense, and uh, that plague would pass you over. And how many of you know even that test exists today? Will we accept Christ's sacrifice for us, or will we stand before God on our own? It's a test that all of mankind goes through. You know, here's, a, here's an interesting one. How about the tithe? The tithe, that's a tenth of our income. And every single week that I get a paycheck, every single two weeks that I get a paycheck, I am being tested. Am I going to trust God? It is the first bill that I pay my tithe to God my tenth? Or am I going to trust myself? Do you understand The tithe is a test? It's a test to say, I'm putting my dependence on God and I'm declaring my independence from the world. But, you know, we can choose not to submit to that. We can choose to do our own thing. So we get that. You know, the 10 virgins is a story, again, of a test. And what they're talking about is the wise virgins and the foolish virgins. And, you know, what they're saying is the, as the, the wise virgin virgins, they trim their lamps, they have lots of oil, And uh, the foolish versions are always trying to borrow oil, get oil from other people. You know, a lot of times I think that can be described even in church life where people think, if I just go to church on Sunday, that's all I really need to do. uh, And I really don't need to press in with my life and to get oil from the Holy Spirit myself. But the Bible says, oh, that's not wise. That's foolish to do that. You, you have an opportunity to grow and to make sure that you have that oil in your lamp burning bright, even in today's day and age. So all these tests in life, all these tests in scripture are meant to shape us and to, for us to say, I'm going to follow God's way. But you know, many times on those tests, don't we fall down? We make mistakes, we blow it. But even that's where we come back to God and say, Lord, help me to pass the test the next time I go through it. You know, it's interesting. uh, Jesus said these words, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And so every day we are being tested as to whether we're gonna follow God's ways, Jesus's ways, or we're gonna follow after the, the devil, the liar, the thief, the evil one, the destroyer, who's really trying to rob us and deceive us. So this prayer is asking God's to help us. (laughs) Not God's, asking God to help us. It's asking for God's help and saying, Lord, you know, the evil one is so tricky, so hard to deal with that I don't want to be tripped up. I don't want to see my tests that I go through in life turn into temptations. And so we're praying for help every single day. We're to pray for this help from God. Because how many of you know every day tests come, every day stuff hits your life, And you have to learn how to trust God. And that's why we pray this prayer, as I said, every single day. And uh, it's interesting. Let me read a quote to you from Daryl Johnson, the author of the book, uh, 57 Words That Changed the World. There are events or experience in life through which the Father intends to prove and improve our character and faith. But the evil one sneaks in and intends to destroy our character and our faith. You see, God is wanting us to grow and mature and become more like Jesus, but the devil wants to turn every single test into a temptation, and I want you to understand when we're praying this as we go through life, this is what we're saying. Let me not be tempted to accuse you of not being good. Let me not be tempted to turn out from your good plans for for my life. Let me not be tempted to listen to the accuser's lies about you, about myself, about life, and about others. This is what we're asking for in this last petition, that God would help us while we go through the tests that life brings to not be tempted to walk away from God. And I want to read one scripture as kind of the theme scripture of what we go off of today. And that's found in the book of Revelations, chapter 12, starting at verse 10. Listen carefully. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren and the brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives as much as to shrink back from death. Wow. You know, it's interesting to just ponder for a moment that the devil used to stand in the presence of God hurling accusations at God about us. That person did this. That human being did this. That human being violated your law. That human being needs to be judged. They need to be judged. And every time God would say, judgment's coming, judgment's coming, judgment's coming. And then finally, when Jesus came, Satan was hurled down to earth. Now, listen to me. (laughs) Now that the accuser has been hurled down out of heaven, who do you think he accuses now? He no longer has an audience with God. Jesus has taken care of that. But what he's doing is he's accusing you and he's accusing me of different things. And you need to understand that the accuser is still working today. And we need to learn how to overcome his accusations. And according to this text, through the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We're going to talk about that today and how we can daily yield our lives to God. So that through the tests of life, that we can overcome that temptation and that accusation that comes at us every single day. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, come and teach us how to overcome the accusations of the evil one. Teach us how to walk through tests so that they do not become temptations to us, Lord. Help us to live for you today. Help us to love you today. God, I pray now that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive, and to respond to you as we daily bring this issue before you, God, as we look at our lives and say, when I go through tests, help me not to stop trusting you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. You know, it's interesting that the early church fathers used to say that the fourth petition about uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those is a good petition for the end of the night. When you've looked over your day and said, man, I made some mistakes. I need to forgive that person. I need to be forgiven of these things. But then as you end your night or get ready for the next day, kind of the sixth petition is a good one to pray because you're looking forward to the next day and you're saying, you know what, Lord, I know that when I wake up, I'm about to enter into some tests And I need need your strength so they don't become temptations. Isn't that kind of an interesting thought for us to reflect on as we're praying? So let's understand the accuser's accusations. He's the accuser of mankind, and so the first accusation that comes because he's been hurled down to earth, the first accusation is this, the devil accuses us to ourselves. That's what he does. You know, the accuser leads us to try and live a self centered life and have a self centered assessment of self, and which rather than a God centered one. And that's why, you know, condemnation and pride are things that the devil will use to come at us and accuse us of. You know, condemnation is basically the devil whispering in your ear continually, You're not good enough you have no worth, you're not valuable, you're not loved, you are broken, you are hated. You know, all the self-talk, all the words that we think come at us that actually the enemy is sowing continually into our hearts and minds about our worth, about our value, about our acceptance, about our security, But, you know, we need to stop listening to what the devil says and listen to what God says. But, you know, even as much as condemnation is there, you know, we we need to understand there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. Amen? You know what the law was powerless to do? God did by sending his son Christ to set us free from condemnation. I mean, that's a powerful word. I'm giving you an indication of how to overcome the enemy, by the way. I quoted the word of God, the scripture that tells me I don't have to live in condemnation and fear. That was Romans 8.1. So, you know, as much as condemnation can be a problem, pride can be a problem. Where the devil is accusing us of saying, you know, you don't need God Uh, You can do it on your own, you know. You're a self-made man, and God, doesn't God love a self-made man? You know, the scripture doesn't say that. But the devil might get you to think that it does. And that's not what it says. And so we need to understand when we're praying, we're saying, God, lead us not into temptation. Father, deliver us from the devil's accusation. Now listen to me. In the midst of the devil's accusation, there is God's declarations. That's the truth. You know, what our Father says to be true about you and I, that's what we need to stand on. During the accusations of the devil, there are the declarations of God for us to stand on. Amen? You are a child of God. You are forgiven. You are loved. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. These are the things that are true about who you are. You are chosen by God. You are his beloved. You are a new creation. All of these things, God is speaking over your life all the time. All of these declarations that you and I need to come into agreement with in our lives. You see, we want to combat the lies of the enemy by, uh, you know, by knowing God's truth and by standing on God's truth and declaring it. You know, the Bible says that the word of God never returns void, church. It always goes forth and accomplishes that which it was sent to do. And I don't know about you, but there are day after day, I can tell you, my self-talk sometimes is not good. And I realize I capture my mind and I capture my thoughts when I start to realize, man, I'm I'm not agreeing with God. And uh, I have to start declaring God's word over those situations and over those thoughts. You know, The old song used to say, whose report will you believe? And the answer is, we shall believe the report of the Lord. Amen? His report says, I am healed. His report says, I am free. His report says, victory. Amen? You need to know that God's report is the only report that you need to yield yourself to. Well, what does the devil do? The devil accuses us about others he speaks and he whispers in your life and in my life about others and that was really what we talked about in the, the fifth petition that need to forgive because how many of you know that wounded people wound people and every day you and I go through life and and sometimes we have a big old we we see the splinter in our brother's eye but we forget there's a two by four in ours and, and so we need to understand that the devil is accusing us. He's constantly accusing us about other people. You know, every single human being you meet is particularly those who love the Lord and who serve the Lord are in a moment of renewal in their lives. And uh, God is changing them and transforming them. They've been created in the image of God. They're image bearers. But how many know that image is marred and it's being recreated? And so sometimes we're gonna rub against each other in the wrong way. Sometimes people are gonna wound you and say things and do things that hurt you. You need to understand that the devil will bring those accusations against them into your heart and mind. I love 2 Corinthians 5. It says this, From now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. But it's not easy to see you all the time as a new creation. Because, you know, at first I, I see the cracks of your life. I see the brokenness in your life. I see the chips and the scars in your life. I see the things that I don't. And, and sometimes I fail to see the treasure that is within you that God is bringing out of you. You know, sometimes I don't see that clearly in you because I don't see it clearly in myself. You know, some of the most venomous and, 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 uh, and backstabbing and, and terrible things that we do to others is because it's how we see ourselves, Wow, we don't see ourselves as overcomers and victorious. We don't see ourselves as new creations. And so we look at the lens of other people in our, in our lives rather than through Christ's lens, we have our own lens. You know, this is a very harsh thing I'm about to say, but I need you to hear it very clearly. When I live in judgment of you and accusations, I actually take up Satan's work. I actually become an accuser of the brethren rather than an advocate for the believer. That's pretty heavy. <laughs> that actually I can enter into the realm of, of doing demonic work by accusing you, gossiping against you, slandering you. All these things that we do, we do the devil's work for him. But you know, there's a way for you not to do that, and that is for you to become an advocate. You see, that's what Jesus did. Isn't God? God is our advocate. And the word advocate is that word comforter, the Holy Spirit. And it means one who stands beside us, strong to defend us, to call us, uh, you know, and and you and I need to be those people who advocate for one another. We need to advocate for each other and and for even ourselves. When the devil is accusing, you know, don't listen to his lies. Don't spew his lies from your mouth. Become one who advocates for others who prays for others. You know, the Bible says this, God calls those things that are not as though they were. And there's lots of examples of that in scripture. You remember Abram. Abram, his name means father, and God told him, you're going to be the father of many. I'm going to change your name to Abraham. And so he called him what he was not yet. He wasn't, what, he wasn't the father of any at that point, but God said, you're going to be the father of many. That's pretty cool. You know, Gideon looks at himself and he sees himself as the weakest in his family amongst a weak family. And God looks at him and the first thing he says to him, how are you doing, mighty warrior? Calls him mighty warrior. You know, I think we need to look at each other that way and begin to call out the things that God has spoken about the people around us. It's so easy to see the, the little splinter in their eyes rather than to call out the destiny and the purpose and the beauty that God wants to bring out of one another. This is the powerful work of advocacy. This is the powerful work of prayer that you and I can enter into. You know, we're saying, God, my Father, help me. Help me, God, not to be tempted to become an accuser. Help me not to become an accuser, but help me to be an advocate, Lord. Help me to be one who prays and and believes and speaks life over my brother's and over my sisters isn't really that what the scripture tells us to do. You know Ephesians 4:29 says don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is useful for building others up according to their needs, not according to your needs. <laughs> what do people around you need? You know, that's what you're doing, is you're speaking that life over people, speaking destiny and purpose, and and you're bigger and, and more than you're capable. And when they fail, you know what you get to do? You get to pray for them. You get to advocate for them in prayer. Hallelujah. Remember, in the midst of the devil's accusations, there are God's declarations. What our Father says to be true about others, Let's not do the devil's work in accusing our brothers, but let's do the Spirit's work and Jesus' work of advocacy. Amen? So the devil comes down. He's been hurled down. He accuses me to myself. He accuses others to me. But you know what else he does? This one's the worst. The devil accuses God. He brings accusation against God. And this is how he does it. God's word is not trustworthy. God is really not that good. God is hiding something from you or keeping something from you. Now, he may not be that blatant in what he says, but he kind of skirts around that, and that's really what he's saying. You know, the devil wants us to believe that God is not good. The greatest temptation that you and I face, listen to me carefully, the greatest temptation that you and I face when we go through tests and when we go through trials is to say God is not good. That's the devil's goal in all of this. You think about all of our world right now and how many people are turning away from what God would say is his good, good plan for humanity. You know, you need to understand that you need to stand against that and use the word of God to say, no, this is what the Father says. This is what is right. This is what is good. And this is what I build my life upon, You know, this temptation is very real when we go through tests. I remember when I was uh, going through, for, you know, I was diagnosed with MS some 10 years ago almost now. And uh, when I first started that battle, you know, I really pressed in. I pressed in so hard. I, f- I did everything you can do, fasting, prayer, uh, daily, twice a day I would pray. I would have communion every day. I, I did everything that you can do. I confessed sins that I may have thought of once before. People thought I was crazy half the time. I ate everything. People brought me grass. Eat this grass, it'll help you. Okay, I'll, I'll try anything. I'll do whatever it takes. And I kept pressing in and pressing in and working, working my head off to gain a healing. But you know, I wasn't really trusting God. I thought I would impress God or earn a healing. And so the test became a trial. And I began to be tempted, listen to me, to say, God, you're not good. Because you promised me healing. I know that healing is part of your plan. I've seen you heal others, Lord. Why are you not healing me? I'm doing everything I can do. And it's interesting when we come to that point of realizing that we're not trusting God. We start believing God is not good. And where do you go when God is not good? (laughs) where do you turn to if God's not good? So that's been a healing in my life over the last few years to come back to a point of realization to say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for thinking you weren't good. Forgive me for letting this test that I've been going through become a temptation. And just by doing that very thing, you know, God meets me and says, it's okay, son, I've always held you. I've never let you go. I know you're going through this test. I know it's hard, but hang on to me. Hallelujah. These are real moments in our life, God. You know, we have to come back to a place of knowing that we're loved. So how do we overcome? How do we overcome the, tempt- the, the temptations? Well, according to this, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Because remember, in the midst of the devil's accusations, right, there are God's declarations. What God says to be true. And that's how we overcome You know, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. You know what that means? It just simply means, church, listen, it simply means you are rightly related to God through what Jesus has done, through the finished work of Christ. You are in Christ. Christ is in you. You are secure. You are safe. You can come before the Father. You you can enter into the throne room of grace to receive mercy whenever you need it. You are rightly related to God, church. And so you have authority because of that. And then he says, let the word of your testimony, you know, you overcome the enemy that way. Not shrinking back from dying to self, not shrinking back, but trusting God. And really the power comes when the words of our testimony agree with God's testimony in his word. That's really what it's saying. You need to press in all the time into the word of God, church. You know, the word of God is not just a book. It's a supernatural, seed-bearing, incredible book that if you will learn these truths about who God is, who you are, who others are, speaking life over others, that God will bless you and bring a harvest of righteousness. Church, you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son of God, whom he loves. And, and, and in that translation, you know, you, you still at times see with the vision of this world And you need to pull your eyes off of that. That's why prayer every day is so important. Bible study every day is so important. Get your eyes off what the world says to be true and get your heart and eyes into what God says to be true. Because that's the language of the kingdom that you don't see clearly until you begin to declare it and speak it in the lives of others. Amen? We need to see the perspective of the Son of God. You know, stand on, declare the word, declare the truth of God's word. This is really what you're being called to. We're crying out to God and saying, oh, good, good father, don't let me be tempted to think that you are not good, that your ways are not good, that your will is not good. But let me know that all these things are always for my good. We thank you for that, Lord. You know, this is why we come daily to the Lord in prayer. This is why we come to our Father in the Word every day. This is why the devil accuses us. You know, when we he accuses us, we just need to meditate on the goodness and the grace of God. That our attitudes, our words, and our actions are shaped by the Word of God and not shaped by the devil. Amen. You know, there's a scripture, and I love this scripture uh, in the book of Isaiah. This is the work of the Christian. It says, I will welcome you to my holy mountain, this is Isaiah 56, and make you joyful in my house of prayer. I will accept every sacrifice and offering that you place on my altar, for my house of worship will be known as a house of prayer for all people. You know, I've taught you the Lord's Prayer over the last several weeks, not just to say, well, that was an interesting sermon but that you would start to pray. I told you at the beginning of this sermon series, the most important thing that I can do for you while you have been in isolation is to teach you how to pray. Church, you need to pray. You're a believer. You're a follower of God. It's time for all of us, listen to me carefully, it's time for all of us to get joyfully serious about God. There's no more time In the calendar of the world, there's no more time for you just to be flippant about your relationship with God, church. It is time for you to grow and mature and pursue and to hold the handles that God has given you. Amen? It's time to cling to the king and to the kingdom of God. Everything else in this world is coming down, church. Everything else is being shaken right now. But the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. It's time to learn how to hang on to God more and more. It's time to let go of fear and to embrace faith. It's time to overcome the accusations of the enemy through your relationship with God and through the testimony of agreeing with the word of God. I encourage all of you. I plead with all of you. I ask all of you to grow in the Lord's prayer. Grow in learning how to take every one of these six petitions and make them real in your life so that they just become a natural outflow of how you pray. Hallelujah. Church, listen. As you may have heard and may know, that the time uh, of our isolation is coming to an end slowly. Very slowly, the government is beginning to open up things, even in the realm of the church. We've just been told that we can uh, now gather in maximum groups of 50 Uh, if our space allows for it, keeping all the social distancing rules, uh, doing all kinds of extra things that are really kind of interesting, but we'll get into that. But the point is, is we're just going to start opening up times of being able to gather. We're not going to be gathering at full strength yet. Um, We're just going to keep going with the the method that we're doing with our preaching right now. But we're going to start opening things up like prayer meetings. Uh, men's fellowship meetings, maybe different care groups. If you feel comfortable, if you're not sick, if you're okay to do that, we're still going to maintain all the six-foot distance rules and all those other things, but I want you to know that we're going to start connecting and collect and coming together. And I just am so thankful that we're being able to do that right now. And so uh, you heard Pastor Peter talk about the fact that on Tuesday we're going to start with a couple prayer meetings We're just going to limit it to about 15 people because our space allows that. You can go online and you can sign up. We're going to do a 6 o'clock prayer meeting and we're going to do an 8 o'clock prayer meeting this coming Tuesday. And um, you can sign up for that if you want to take one of those slots and come. You know, we just want to get together and we want to pray. There's so many things that we need to pray for and for our government, for people, for one another. So looking forward. So you can go online and uh, I think it's on the website that you can get one of those time slots, fill it in and say, I'm coming to the 6 o'clock one. And if you're not comfortable, don't feel this pressure to say, well, I I don't know if I should go. It doesn't, you know, it's okay. It's okay. But, uh, you know, we're going to start opening up morning prayer for a few people, too, if they want to come. Just there are moments of time, church, that we can start gathering now, and we're going to start doing that. And so we're looking forward to being able to do that together. So make sure you register for Tuesday night prayer next week, 6 p.m. or 8 p.m. Amen? Well, let me close our session today. Let me close our time together just by praying for a few minutes through the Lord's Prayer. Man, church, you are loved. You are missed so deeply, so dearly. We're so thankful for all of you that you've taken the time to watch. But let's pray together just for a few minutes through the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, who art in the ever-present moments of our present tests, hallowed be thy name. You're worthy to be praised, Lord, for you are good. You are good. You are good. God, we pray that your kingdom of justice and peace and joy and righteousness will be established on the earth as it already is in heaven, Lord God. Let your kingdom come, and Lord, let your will be done, your good, good will. Your will for us is always good, Lord. I pray that it will be established on earth as it already is in heaven, in my family, in my church family, God, in the businesses, in our community, in our nation of Canada. Let the will of God, the good will of God, break forth and come forth in this hour. God, fill us with the bread of heaven. Oh, God, meet every one of our needs, Lord meet our spiritual needs, our physical needs, our emotional needs. Jesus, you are the bread of heaven. I pray that you will fill every corner of our life and we will be thankful and grateful and we will trust you in this time. God, forgive us our debts, and we know they are many and they are big, but help us also to forgive our debtors, to bring them both to the foot of the cross and to know that your sacrifice is enough, Jesus. And Lord, today, lead us not into temptation. Lead us not to think that you are not good. Lead us not to to accuse ourselves or others, Lord. But let us walk in the victory of overcomers, Lord, for we overcome him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, hallelujah. For Jesus, yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, and yours is the glory forever and forever. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.